getting those customers, keeping them and growing. That was an epiphany that I came to year three or four. And I decided to focus all of my time on building the best sales team in the industry, in my market. And it took about five years, but that's what got us from 1 million to, to two, three, four, five, and six and seven beyond. What are we talking about on the Grow Your Damn Business podcast? We're talking about business, specifically your business. Is it growing or are you stuck? How painful is that growth? Is it running you or are you running it? Are you working in your business or on your business? On the Grow Your Damn Business podcast, we explore these questions and much more. Expect a lively, spirited discussion about what it takes to grow your damn business. And now, on to the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Grow Your Damn Business podcast. I'm your host, Scott Goodrich. So happy to have everyone along for our ride today. And joining me on today's show is Brian Clayton, CEO, founder of GreenPal. Brian, thank you so much for joining us. Scott, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Brian, we were talking to you from Nashville, Tennessee. Is that right? That's right, man. Born and raised. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, Brian, I, I always like to give uh, the guests a chance to share their own bio rather than me doing a choppy job of doing that. So why don't you tell me a little bit about GreenPal and give me a little of your background and we'll get into kind of how, how you got to where you are. Awesome. Yeah. So I'm CEO and co-founder of a company called GreenPal. GreenPal is an app that works like Uber or Instacart or DoorDash, but for landscaping services. So if you need to get a grass cutting service, rather than calling around all over town, you just download GreenPal and somebody comes out and takes care of it for you. GreenPal is a 10-year overnight success. My two co-founders <laughs> and I have been at this thing for a little over a The decade. old overnight success yeah. that, that happens on a directly on a straight line, no hiccups, no right. veering off path, right? Just perfect. Just just like you were like so you draw it up. Just like in the movies. That's right. <laughs> that's and, right. and it's that's all right. fun. <laughs> but all fun. That, that, that's yeah, how no we experienced it. <laughs> that's, right. that's right. Exactly. Exactly. But um, we're, so, we stuck it out. Yeah, yeah, we, so here we are, yeah, decade yeah, in. Exactly. So so let's let's go go back to that. I know you had another company before. For that, right? More more traditional in the landscaping business, if I'm understanding. So tell me a little bit about that, and we'll talk about the pivot over to GreenPal. Yeah, that's exactly right. So my first business was a landscaping company. Started mowing grass in high school, uh, like so many other kids, and uh, just stuck with that business. Stuck with it all through high school, all through college, and then after college, had to make a decision: um, was I going to go into the job market? Uh, or take take a pay cut, <laughs> or stick with this stick with <laughs> right. this lawn care service I had. I didn't really want to be a lawn guy. Like I I, I, yeah. I, I hated the the smell of freshly cut grass. But but uh, but I made a little business plan and ended up building it into a real company. Uh, eventually growing it to 150 people and eight figures in sales, ten million dollars a year in sales. And then in 2013, that business was acquired by a big national company in the industry. Okay. And after that, took some time off figured out what do I want to do with my life, had an existential crisis. And, uh, and I thought, well, I'm going to start a tech company. I'm going to see if I can do a, a tech business. And, and that's where the idea from GreenPal yeah. spawned from. I cut lawns. That was my kind of my first entrepreneurial endeavor, right? Cutting lawns and, and doing a paper out back in the day when such a thing existed in, in my rural uh, home in Connecticut, but trying to get my buddies to cut the lawns so that we could get more lawns cut in less time. And I, I don't know if that's the way you started, but that was kind of way I was doing it in, in high school. Uh, Absolutely. Similar kind of beginning story. Yeah. I, I should have followed your path. We didn't talk early enough. You know, I, I, I gave up on it and left, left town for, for school. So you must've been, did, did school locally so that you could keep the business going. Is that how that played out? 
That's right. I begrudgingly went to college. I didn't really uh, want to go, but my mom was a professor and I, I kind of needed to go and finish. Um, and I went, went at night. I, I mowed yards during the day and, and went to night classes. It took me six years, but I, I got through it. And, uh, and then after that, I took what I learned in business school and I was able to put together some kind of business plan. Uh, yeah. But, but the weird thing was while I was in business school, I was running a business. And there was like, it was totally different. It was like, uh, we would like learn things in marketing class and learn things in, in small in business operations class. And, and, I, and I'd be like, this isn't how it's actually done. This isn't how it actually happens in the real world. It was a strange thing. It was jarring because, because by, the time yeah. I, I, by the time I was, I left school, I had like, th- like three full-time employees and, and we were doing right. three or $400,000 a year in revenue. So it was, it was a nice little small business. And, yeah. and so I, luckily I doubled down on it. I saw that that was that business ownership was my lane that I could get further yeah. doing that than I could uh, a career path and 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 I'm glad I did that. I was very lucky to be exposed to business ownership at a young age. So two questions I've got that stem fr- from that story. So, so the first one's interesting, and you're not the first person that said this that the stuff that you actually have to do to run a business, the theoretical academic side of it. It just doesn't come from business school. Were you able to pull anything from there? Because you're not the first to say like practical theory. It is just not, it's, it's not, not a match. But did anything translate over? Very, very little. None of the marketing, um, none, of, none of the business management. Um, some things that did business law. Uh, I did get enough exposure to business law to know that that yeah. I needed to get my ducks in a row and, and protect myself sure. and get a good attorney to, to as part of my team. So it did expose me to that. Um, going to school did teach me how to communicate in writing, which, you know, uh, in, in the landscaping business, it's not known for um, that kind of level of professionalism, so to speak. And so I was able to kind of, you know, do a little bit better than my competitors were in terms of pitches and proposals and business communication and things like that. Um, but that's about it, man. I mean, looking yeah. back, I'm glad I did it. Glad I got through it. But I mean, it wasn't necessary to get to where I am today. Everything I've learned in business was just by trial and error and just doing it. And then nowadays, YouTube University, I have learned so much <laughs> from operators trying to do yeah. or who have done what it is I'm trying to do and, and have learned from them for free. You know, if, if YouTube existed 20 years ago, there's no telling, you know, how things might have been yeah. easier for me. Amazing. So you came out of school, you said it was nice, three, four hundred thousand dollar business. You had a few employees doing it, but ultimately selling that business later on for what you did, getting it to the size that you did. I think you mentioned you got it to, to being an eight-figure business. What what were some of the things that were really those those real catalysts, right? The 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 mechanisms for growth. Where, can you remember back like some key points in time and you said, Oh, this was a thing. When I when I hit this, we, we took off. Yeah, it, it there was a I guess an epiphany moment, I guess year three or four that I, I realized I wasn't in the landscaping business. Uh, I wasn't in the lawn care business. I was in the sales business and that I needed to yeah. spend my time working on the sales process and developing my sales process and, 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 and running the, and tuning and improving that process. How do we get the right customers? Uh, how, how do we pitch the right customers? How do we pitch them the right value proposition? 
how do we even know what our value proposition is? What are we doing different yeah. than our competitors? And, and, and so getting those customers, keeping them and growing, like that was, that was an epiphany that I came to year three or four. And I decided to focus all of my time on building a, the, the best sales team in the industry, in my market. Um, and, and it took about five years, but that's what got us sure. from yeah. 1 million to, to two, three, four, five, and six and seven beyond. Did you lean on any system at that time on that, that sales process or, or was it, was it your own trial and error and you know, that, that own experience, as you mentioned earlier, that was the thing that, that carried you through. These days, you know, there, there's, there's no shortage of frameworks and processes and systems that yeah. you can borrow from and put into your business. Back then, you know, this stuff wasn't readily available, uh, especially tuned for my particular industry. So it was very much trial and yeah. error, Although I did see, I did take note and try to learn from how the really big guys were doing it. So I, I would go to um, industry conferences that were, you know, for, for the landscaping industry. And, and, and every year they'd have it in, an, in, a, in a city much bigger than Nashville. And I would, I would look at and observe and learn the, as much as I could from a $50 million company in Chicago or, or a $100 million company out west in, 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 in California and learn how did they how did they hire salespeople? How did they teach them? What, you know, what, how did they train them? And, and I could learn just, just little, little tidbits, you know, here and there, and then take it back and try to put it in the, into my business. But it was, it was a lot of trial and error. The first mistake I made was, um, you know, thinking that I had to hire people that knew the industry. I thought that, yeah. um, that our industry was so complex and so difficult that I had to hire people that knew the industry. And the reality is, 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 is that was a mistake. I needed to hire like motivated sales oriented <laughs> people and then teach them yeah. my system. Took about sure. three years to figure that out, but a lot of trial yeah. and error. Uh, these days I probably could do in one year, what took me five back then. Um, yeah. but it was just part of it. Well, you hit on a, a couple of things. So you and I, you know, just, just getting to know them here a little bit, talked a little bit before we get started, but uh, my work, with EOS, uh, you know, we, we talk about a couple of things you're talking about. One is having a right strategy of who you want to go after for a client. So you need to know who that target market is and, and where you want to spend your time. You've got limited resources, particularly when you're getting something started and making sure that those en that energy is focused around the right type of client for you. When you're early on, any client's a great client. Yeah. But as you get going, you got to figure out like, this is the right kind of client for what I want to do, the business that, that we need to build. My guess, it had to be a pivot from residential to commercial, right? There, there's got, was that, was that one of the choices that you made in identifying that? I'm, I'm, I'm supposing here. I don't, I don't no, know. No, you, you, you nailed it. That was one of the yeah. big kind of growth hurdle, growth hurdles was rebuilding the business to be from a residential focus uh, service type business to strictly commercial and you wouldn't think it, but they're really two different businesses. The, uh, a residential client base has a totally different set of needs than a commercial client base. And so little by little, we had to kind of like rebuild the business from the inside out and build it to serve commercial clientele little by little. And we would kind of cannibalize one at the expense of the other. And it, it took a while, it took three or four years, sure. but, but that's yeah. what we had to do. And, uh, and, and cause you really can't scale a, an eight figure business, you know, $30 at a time. You, you have to go after the bigger <laughs> contracts and, sure, and, yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and so that's, that's, that's what we did. And, um, but you know, these days maybe you can get an eight figure business, $30 at a time. I don't know. It, it's, the systems are much better and tighter and, 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 and more scalable now. Um, than they were yeah. back then. But back then, you know, we had to go after six figure contracts and, and figure out how to develop that business. And it took a while. It took a while to figure it out. Yeah. 
Well, and I think just being intentional around it, like, like you've got you've got your limited resource, you're trying to build out a team, you're trying to figure out what's the right place to spend your marketing dollars and, and just being inten- intentional and, and knowing what and is having the right a plan. profile. Yeah. Yeah, of, of that right client. Yeah, so one of the things we talk about. The second thing you mentioned, which is also so critical, is making sure that you understand what makes for a great person in your organization. So we borrow from Jim Collins, right person, right seat. And in this case, right for you, wasn't the experience in the industry that was the right person, right seat. It's like, what is the, what do they bring to the table, right? Do they meet the match the values that you had and are they going to get up there and get after it and go out there and find those clients. So you, you had to develop that as well. We, we borrow heavily from him in our teaching, but that's what you're talking about here, making sure that you've got those folks that really match up to what you know you needed to be successful. I in, learned the hard way. Clients. I learned yeah, the hard yeah. way. You, you can't motivate sure. unmotivated people. And, yeah, and the best thing you can do is, is bring on motivated people and then teach them your system. And that's yeah. the recipe for success. And, and, and work sure. on the system. Don't work on trying to motivate unmotivated people. Get that hire right and then groom them on your system so they can succeed in your system. So, so help me out. We'll, then we'll wrap up on, on landscape and then flip over to, to Green Palace. I want to talk about that with you. But just so you, you're making this transition from that residential to these larger commercial contracts. Can you give me the here was the big whiff. We learned a lot from that one, but then here was the big one that really kind of got us started. Do you have any examples of one on each side of that where you could start to see, okay, I'm going to be able to take what I'm learning here and really, really make a go of it from a, from a, from a client acquisition piece. Yeah. The first mistake was, you know, and this is kind of trite and everybody talks about this, but it was selling on price. We really were trying to outcompete our competitors and trying to, to cut, cut prices and figure out a way. Okay. Well, you know, we can, we can do the same job or better that they're doing it, but we can save you 10%. And, and that did get us some business, but, uh, but it really, it was like beating our head against the wall. Cause we had really, yeah. really, really slim margins and trying to figure out how to, how to do as good a job as their, their previous vendor. And we really had to figure out what the hell is our value proposition? What do we do differently than, than competitors do? And, and it took a while, but we figured out how to, how to align landscaping maintenance with what our customers were, were, were trying to get done in their business. So for example, like an apartment complex, you know, we did a lot of apartments, but time I, time I sold the company probably had a hundred different apartment complexes we were maintaining everything for. And, and, um, the, one of the ways we developed that business is, is we wouldn't say, Hey, we're the cheapest company you can hire for your grass cutting. I know you're looking to save money. We would, we would say, Hey, what is your, what is your vacancy rate? You know, what, what is the occupancy rate of this, of this property? And yeah. it's like, oh, it's 89%. Okay. That's pretty good. But based on, you know, the research that we see at, at the greater Nashville apartment association, like average around here is 96%. And, and uh, why, do, why don't you think you're there? Well, well, we don't really know the uh, Y. Well, we believe that we can help move that a couple points through, sure. like, yeah. through a, through a game plan with curb appeal. Um, and here's yeah. how we would do it. You know, we would install a floral display here at the entrance and one by the, the, uh, the, the, the model, uh, that you bring tenants through and, and so on. And, and, and we could do that over time and it within your budget. And then here's how we're gonna make the grass a little greener and thicker and without having to break the bank doing it. And so we, we would, we would reframe the conversation to how do we get them to where they're trying to go and let's get out of the grass cutting business. Let's get into the solutions business. And so that's one thing that we did. Nice. That, yeah, and it uh, wasn't like it was a silver yeah. bullet, but it definitely helped change the dynamic. 
Well, yeah, and you'll you'll go crazy always trying to be their price because then you're susceptible to the next guy coming in behind you and saying, oh, I'll get the next six month or one year contract because I'm going to not get down by exactly you know, a few percentage points, right? So playing that game is a difficult game. So you're you're it's a great great lesson to be learned that uh, to to go ahead and meet them where they are and, exactly and make, make sure they understand what's there. Great. So sell that business successfully. Was it an intentional on your side to go out there and, and look for someone to buy? Did it, did it you know kind of show up to you? How, how did that c- come to pass? And then we'll, we'll flip it into the work today. Yeah, it was, it, you know, they say great businesses are bought, not sold. Uh, mine was very much sold. Uh, I, it was an intentional, proactive process that I ran for about okay. two years. I didn't really like, uh, you know, for the first 12, 13 years of the business, I was building it because I was, I just enjoyed running it and it was a lifestyle business. And I maybe, it, you know, I was going to hand it down to uh, my kids one day. But I guess it was year 12 or 13, I was no longer getting fulfilled uh, by, by the business. I didn't realize this, but as you are growing a business, you as the founder are evolving into a whole new person every year or two. And, and that was like a rewarding aspect of the journey for me. And that started to plateau maybe around year 10 or 11. And, and so I was getting unfulfilled and it made me feel like very, uh, discontent. And so I I thought, well, I'm going to try to sell this business so I can then create the space for whatever the next thing could be. And, uh, but from the moment I had that thought to the moment that we were able to get the business acquired was like over two years. And, and, yeah. and I was confronted with all these things. I didn't know I was going to have to like, rebuild the business from the inside out, take it down to the studs and build a bunch of new systems in it that it, it didn't have and redo the accounting and hire a bunch of people that we didn't have. But it, but I was glad I did it, made it a better company. The company's still around today. They're making more money than I yeah. ever did in that, in that, in that business. Yeah. And so, so it all worked out for everybody. Yeah, and interesting. You mentioned how that evolves, right? That that's another thing that's a very common theme, and where where you start and you're doing everything, right? And you're in that business, and you're out there actually doing the work, and and even when you're on that, that smart levels. But as you grow in there, you've got to take the time to get above the day to day of the business, or, or it will never get to any of these levels. So, exactly. was there something during that time when you said, "Okay, this is this is the moment," right? So you, you created the sales system, whatever. But we said, "Okay, now I've got this. I'm going to create this." time, I, I'll call it white space, but you're going to take, take a moment to say, okay, and I've got this moment to, to look at this business in a whole, through a whole new different lens and say, here's how we're going to really accelerate it out there. Was there a, a key hire or decision made that allowed you to get working on the business rather than in it as, as you were at the beginning? Yeah. You know, it, it very much was changing the, the paradigm from in to on the business. And the third yeah. thing, working on myself. So, so okay. three things at once, working in the business, keeping it going every day, Saturday, coming in, working on the business, figuring out, okay, wh- mm-hmm. where are we making money? Where are we not? What are we closing? Where are we not? Why aren't we closing this? Uh, we, we lost these three employees. Why did we lose them? And just figuring out one thing and trying to make the system to make it better. And then the third, the, you know, Sundays I would work on myself. I would read books on leadership, read books on management. I would, I would, I would back then, you know, there wasn't YouTube or podcasts, but, but fast forward to today, it's, I still work this framework where I'm, I'm listening to everything I can online to try to learn from people who have done the next level or two that I'm trying to do. And, and so, and yeah. so working on yourself because every business reaches that, that choke point of the biz, of the founders abilities of what their leadership abilities are, what their, what their capabilities are. And so I was always trying to balance all three of those. And it wasn't until I, I got out of that, that, stuck in the the urgent but not important kind of quadrant and trying to make <laughs> yeah, time yeah. whether it's saturday or, or sunday to work on the things that are that are important but not urgent 
did did I not pick up any kind of momentum? I I was very much self-employed for the first seven or eight years running that business. I didn't become a business owner until year nine or ten. Interesting. Was there just because I, I do tons of reading as you know, I spend spend time. I the book traction for me, you know, that's what I spend my day talking about, and and you know what I try to help companies really implement those those key tools, practices that that are part of traction. But was there anything out there? for you that was oh this one this one really hit home that this stuck and and obviously there's there's tons of, of great stuff out there but anything that really stood out for you the a simple simple book the e-myth by michael gerber yeah i mean it is such a well put together framework for every small business owner it doesn't matter if you're running a lemonade stand all the way up to a hundred million dollar company of of what it means to to build an organization and set people up for success and know what a what 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 a business actually looks like versus versus just being stuck in the rut of 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 the hamster wheel of uh, in the business yeah. the book is a, is a is a bakery um you know the, the lady uh that who's the main character loves the smell of fresh baked pies she used to bake pies with her grandmother and so she so she wanted to be a baker and i think it was like a month in she then hated the smell of of, of baked pies and so any business <laughs> you owner hated can, the smell of fresh cut of, grass, of grass right? yeah yeah any business <laughs> owner can relate to that so that book does a great job of walking the reader through and anybody who's tried to run, who's running a business or tried to run one uh, can read it or listen to it on Audible and be like, uh-huh, yep, that's me, that's me, yep, yeah, yep. Sure. And walks you through step-by-step step on on how to get out of being self-employed and getting into owning a business. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, it's a great one. Great read, great recommendation. Awesome. So successful sale after two years of, of figuring that out. You took some time. And then jump back in, which does speak to the fact that that's who you are. You're you're a, you're a creative person, although you were working in a business for so long, right? You've now come to this place, evolved to this place. You're you're a creator of things. So let's just get to launching, you know, business number two. What was the the driver there? Uh, you said you responded to after some time off, but let's just start at the beginning of of, of your story there um, with, with the business you're currently running. Yeah. So sold the got the company acquired, helped with the transition. And then I took some time off, did some traveling, and I really, I really kind of felt like I was just going to do investing at that point. I, you know, I, okay. I had a little, little real estate portfolio I put together over the years, and I thought I was just going to do more of that. But I, I, I started getting that like that discontentment all over again. But it was a different kind of discontentment. I, 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 right. I didn't have any mission. Like there was no like, yeah, uh, gotta have a purpose. Uh, you get yeah. a little vessels, gotta have a purpose, right? Yes, I totally, I totally hear you. Yeah, I totally hear you. There was no, there was no like, like uh, the, the thing is about owning a business. You know, if you ask the question, if it wasn't for me, then what? And the business is the answer to that question. And you know, why does it matter that I get out of bed at at seven o'clock at least in the morning? Well, the business is the answer. And and so if I, I didn't have that anymore, and so it was a yeah. weird weird thing. I, so I went through like a learning growth phase, and I thought, <laughs> man, I, I gotta I gotta get another company going as much as I hate to. Uh, and I thought, well, the last company, the contracting company, that was really hard. I don't want to do that again. Um, maybe I'll I'll do a tech business because that'll be so much easier uh software oh, just yeah. do, software just does sure. what you say it's going to do and and it'll be like the social network you just launch it and it'll it'll just grow on its own and and that'll be the good life and so i thought well what am i going to do and i thought well somebody's going to build an app that works like uber but for lawn care i know lawn care i don't know the first yeah. thing about tech but 
let's just see if I can do this. And I recruited two co-founders who, who had a chip on their shoulder and I had a chip on my shoulder and, and we thought, well, let's just see if we can do it. And, and we, we put together a prototype and paid some developers to build a thing. And that was a failure. And so then we realized, okay, we're going to have to learn how to code. We're going to have to learn how to build software and took a year, did that and then built something that actually worked. And then it started hustling up people to use it little by little. The end of our first year, yeah. we had like 20 customers. And, uh, and now here we are year 10, we have 300,000 people using it uh, every week to get their wow. lawn mode. So little by little, That's... made little small goals and just, just set yeah. them up, knocked them down. Glad I did it. Sure. Uh, yeah. It was hard, Yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm glad I stuck it out. Yeah. So along along that way, right? As you, as we started off, right? It just just happened overnight, and just watch, you know, just like watching a movie. Within an hour and a half, it's all knocked out, and so it's all good to go. You had it there, but obviously, the the road has the road's not a straight line. It's not it's not a hockey stick of growth, right? The, whatever analogy you want to use, right? The, the stuff gets sideways. What what were were there any things that you chased along the way that maybe you shouldn't have, right? That that deviated fr- from the path, or did someone try to talk in and so, uh, no, you think you're doing this, you should really work on this thing. Were you, were you able to maintain the focus? I think is the right way to ask the question all the way along the way, or, or or were there distractions that happened? It's a great question because when you're building it something from scratch and, and and inventing a new product, that was one of the things that like caught me off guard. You know, the landscaping company and growing it to over 100 people that was really hard, but I wasn't inventing anything new. Yeah sure I was like incorporating some systems and processes and 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 maybe I did a little invent innovation on a few things here and there but it wasn't like I was inventing a new way of doing things but with GreenPal brand new app never existed yeah. nobody knew to use it and so like that was a really really hard thing that I didn't anticipate how challenging it is to invent something from scratch so so getting over that um the only thing that matters when you find yourself in that kind of uh situation is getting a handful of customers, 10, 20, 30 customers, and then getting as much feedback as you can out of them as possible, because that is your roadmap for what you need to be doing next. And anything you do outside of that is really a waste of time. And so in the early days, we wasted a bunch of time. Like we, we, (laughs) we, we spent a bunch of time on what is our brand going to look like? And what is the company culture going to be? And we need like to, to design a a brand mascot and what's the color scheme going to be on the website? Oh, and we need to get green pal trademarked right now because that's really important because we, because we don't want anybody to steal it from us. We didn't have 20 customers and we're thinking yeah. about all these things. <laughs> and so it's like, I wish somebody had slapped me in the face because I wasted a year doing all of these things other than sitting at the kitchen counter of a customer and, and, and watching them use the app over the shoulder and asking them what they like about it, what they don't like about it, or sitting in a Starbucks or a Dunkin' Donuts with a, with a lawn care pro and asking them what they wish the app would do, what it didn't do. Like that's yeah. the only thing that matters in those early days. And anything outside of that, you're just spinning your wheels. So I wasted a lot of time doing that. But uh, quickly... Well, yeah, wasted, yes. Wasted, yeah, I mean, you learn from that though, right? And so, you know, it's funny. I, I just... I just uh, Record episode and, and the timing of these as they come out since we record them in advance. But we talked about you know those things that you those mistakes that you make. Without them, do you have what you have today? And and it's tough because we'd all love to go back in time and say, "Boy, I wish I hadn't done that." Doesn't matter the business you're starting or the choices you're making. Ah, I wish I could take what I learned now and go back and do that. But would you be in the same circumstance without it? Yeah, you know. So yeah, you, exactly. It, yeah, you gotta you gotta you gotta appreciate those opportunities to learn if if you treat them as such and not get wrapped around that it was it was a mistake made. Yeah, time wasted, but like I said, it's not gonna happen in a straight line anyway. And there would have been something else that would have popped up there more than likely. It, it just doesn't exactly. happen. 
as it planned every, every time. Um, did those first users know they were part of that beta group? Did you kind of launch it in that manner or and let them know, say, hey, we're going this way? You know, can you give a shot? Like, what were those first few sales like to get those first few users on there to give you that feedback? Very much so. We 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 pulled every, we used every card we could to get our first hundred customers because we were looking yeah. for those early adopters. We really wanted people who liked to tinker with new products, who 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 had the patience to to kind of like look over some imperfections that the product had and and to give you the feedback because they just they like doing that. And and you know what? I'm yeah. kind of like that. I like using something new and and if I could talk to the founder and say, hey, listen here's two or three things you might think about. I don't know. It makes me feel good for some reason. And, and so we were looking for those types of people and they were so instrumental because they would, they would tell us all of these things, all of these assumptions that I had about how this thing should work were wrong. And it, and, and no plan survives, no business plan survives its first contact with the customer. And so we were learning all of these things around how the mindset of service providers and what consumers expected and how to strike a balance between the two and how to make the whole thing run smoother than, 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 than an analog. And, and so it, it wasn't without them, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have been able to get to the next level of the game. And so we very much, yeah. we very much pitched them on the idea of like, Hey, we're a Nashville based startup. We're growing. We're starting here in Nashville. You're going to be like the first hundred customers we have. We're going to be nationwide one day. And so hopefully you can say, "Hey, I was one of the first ten people to use that." Oh, we we right. used, we we used every every angle we sure. could to beg people to use it. Yeah. No. Perfect. Perfect. Now, going to go kind of similar question what I had earlier, but obviously now you're in a different space out there. So obviously. You get that feedback, you get rolling. What, what, was there a point in time where it really did turn the corner for you? Said, okay, now I know what I've got. It really had something. Was there some marketing that you did, a connection that you made, or or a conference that you attended? You know, was there a thing that said, okay, now now we're going? And and what year was that where that actually occurred? Yeah. So when you're inventing something new from scratch that does not exist, you, you don't really know that it's going to work. You don't know. You know, if, if, let's say you open up a restaurant or a dry cleaner or a construction company. You know, you can kind of connect the dots and say, if I if I can do X, Y, and Z, I'll get there. With a, when you're inventing something brand new, you don't know if it's going to work. You don't know. You don't know if people are going to use it. And so for us, that was a big question mark for about a year, maybe even two. And I'll, I remember the day really clearly. Like we were all working on a Saturday, my co-founders and I, and and I remember like like 30 people signed up on the website that Saturday and I didn't know who any of them were. That was a big, <laughs> big moment yeah, because, because, nice. because yeah. we, we were trying a bunch of things around SEO and, and landing pages and, and trying to figure out how to be where people were searching when they were needing a grass cutting service. And, and it wasn't yeah. until that moment when like, Man, it's almost like I'm bending the world to my way. That that, that nice. these twenty something people have chosen to put a credit card on on our website, and I don't know who any of these people are. And and I thought if I can just times this by ten, and then do that two more times, I'll have a business. But at I least, got something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so that was a little moment where I knew it would work. But uh, right. in terms of like a hockey stick where everything just took off, man, it was a slow grind. It was probably sure. yeah, uh, yeah. five or six years before we started having sure. thousands and thousands of customers. And, and it wasn't until we did a thousand transactions in a day did I, did I feel like, not that we had made it because I still don't feel that way, but I, I felt like, okay, we have something that can scale. 
we have something that that yeah. can scale yeah. nationwide and maybe even in other countries. And so a thousand in one day was was a big milestone for us. That that, that was a n- number for you on there. So you, you mentioned that yeah, it's obviously always a slogan. And, and frankly, oftentimes you you hit that ceiling and you don't know which way it's going to go. This this is unfortunate. You can call it hit a wall, hit a ceiling. Yeah, you know, that's terminology that that we use. But a lot, a lot of businesses when they're faced with that, can they break through? and get to the next level, they hit a ceiling, but more often than not, it either stagnates or falls down, right? A lot of small businesses don't make it. After you got that first day, okay, oh, this is working, I've got 20 users I don't know that are on there. Was there another ceiling or anything that you had to break through from there? Did you get to another point? It's like, okay, I got to retool, I got to reconfigure, I got to rethink this. Did that happen for you, you know, second, third time? Yeah, there was all kinds of weird, uh, I guess, growth challenges with this business because, the first thing is is is, is that uh, it's constrained by by consumers wanting the service. So so that's that that's the harder side of the of the equation for us. We have plenty of service providers that that, that want to do business on it, but it's hard right, to right. to get get homeowners to to be aware of it. And so we started experimenting with different channels. Okay, so Facebook, Twitter, uh, Google AdWords, uh, radio, TV, print, and so experimenting in all these different channels, only to find out that the economics just didn't make sense. That that we would go broke trying to to make any of them work. And so then we right. started really understanding that you know, organic search was the the thing that we kind of had to bet the company on, and and okay. started peeling the layers away of the onion of what it means to compete in in Google search and. It's like, damn, this is harder than building the app in the first place. <laughs> like, like everything we've done and, and ever changing, yeah, and ever changing, right? What you know today is going to be different thirty or sixty days from now because exactly. the algorithm is going to adjust, right? I mean, that's the, that's we've experienced that in our business. Exactly. So, so that amazing. was one challenge, yeah. and then and then so once we kind of like came to the understanding, okay, that is our channel. We got to bet the company on this. We then kind of got to the not to the end, but saturated in, in the one city that we operated, which is middle yeah. Nashville, Tennessee. So now we got to figure <laughs> out how do we grow this thing city by city. This is a whole nother like set of of uh, like like a playbook that we don't know, and we're just going to yeah. have to trial and error our way through it. And and uh, our second city was Atlanta, and then we we spent like six months trying to figure that out, and then we did Tampa. That took three months, and then we got better and better and better and better, and and so we started launching a new city every week. Um, and and now we're in every major city in in the country. But it was not a foregone conclusion that we could figure that out in the early days. And, yeah. uh, and that, so that was a, a, a hurdle that we had to overcome that got us from, I don't know, maybe 500 transactions a week to, to a couple of thousand until we figured that out. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. And, and t- taking that and building it out to get something repeatable, right? You're, you're farming up when then, then getting something where, where you can repeat and take that best practice and, and those key processes. Build once, again, sell again, twice. We write that on the wall. <laughs> awesome. 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 Uh, it's been great. I really, it's great, great stories. And, and thank you so much. And thank Look successfully to, to two. Once again, never overnight, but uh, successfully to two. So congrats to you on that. That's, that's awesome. And, and uh, thank you so much for all that you shared here with, with us today and the, and the recommendation on the book. Uh, obviously, before we let you go, we want to make sure that we get uh, you through our five fast questions, as I met, as I promised. These have nothing to do with, with anything on, on business side. We're going to ask him anyway. So my first question is always, do you have a favorite sports team or do you have a favorite athlete that, that, you, that you follow? Oh, man. You know, uh, my favorite athlete, and this is going to sound cliche, but I just love him because he's got – he's just he, he just even today I'll, I'll hear a new Mike Tyson quote, and I'll be like, man, that's got so much to do with business life and <laughs> boxing. 
I, you know, he, he, you know, one of his famous quotes is, is, uh, you know, nobody, no, everybody has a plan that they get punched into the no, in the nose. And, and, and my core, my, my parallel to that is no, no business plan survives first touch with the customer. And it's the same yeah. thing. And, and, and he also says, uh, do what you hate, but do it like you love it. And in the early days, you know, we, we would have to reach out to journalists to get them to write about Green Pal. So every day okay. I would pitch 100 journalists and I hated it. I hated it. I wow. hated it. I hated yeah. every minute of it. Yeah. But, yeah. but but that but that that was in. I, I heard that quote in a moment. Where I was like, do what you hate, but do it like you love it. So Mike Tyson, my favorite, like favorite athlete of all time. How about that? How about that? I like a little different spin on it. Well, because you don't think of him in that way. Right. But right. True. But he really I, is I, I, profound I, in that way. No, it really is. It really is. Uh, awesome. All right. So what would you eat if it was your last meal that you ever got the chance to eat? What would be your last meal? This is going to sound, this is going to sound horrible, but probably, probably I would just, I would just pig out on Domino's pizza, man. I love Domino's pizza. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a guilt-free meal. It's to, totally good. They got a hell of an app too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all about it every now and then it's a good place good place to be do you have a uh a dream vacation spot you've never been to or maybe one that you'd love to get back to dream vacation spot man i've never been i, I love travel i've i've, I've traveled yeah. to 60 or 70 countries now at this point uh so it's a big big passion of mine uh but i have never been to one of those real high-end sweet uh uh resorts in the maldives so I want to mm. go do that, but I hear yeah. those things are yeah, like yeah. two or three grand a night. So it may, yeah. <laughs> it may be a while. <laughs> I, I I have this vision of just, I want to be in one of those places where you wake up and you're on, in the water, like one of those water thing, you know, cabanas yeah. on the water, right? The blue water's beneath you, but I'm in my place like that. That feels like that in you know, Bali or whatever that is, but we'll that's got to be on the list. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do you have a favorite movie TV show streamer that either has got your attention now or is a rewatchable that, that you just watch time and again? Oh man. Well, let's keep it related. Um, let's keep it related to business. So, <laughs> and, and I don't want to just, I don't want to say something super popular cause, cause that's not going to be helpful. There's a movie with Terrence Howard called hustle and flow where he is okay. this yeah. Memphis yeah. rapper slash hustler. And it walks you through his life where he goes from being like a low level drug pusher to, to a, a hip hop superstar. Um, yeah. and how he did it step by step. And you watch that movie and you can see parallels to what it's like to grow a business from scratch. Yeah. And so uh, that's, that's a, that's a, the, that's a sleeper. I like the, those journey. The journeys are remarkable, remarkably similar, whether you're an individual performer trying, trying to build a career. I, I do listen to a lot of podcasts as well. And let's do a comedian talk about their story and just say, Oh yeah, this guy's got a Netflix special. Well, what you don't hear is the 500 nights or 500 shows he did five a night in comedy clubs, honing that material to get it there. And it's the same, same drill, right? Exactly. You got to try it out. I mean, it's that individual build a business. It's the, the stories are a lot of parallels there. Well, my, my normal last question is, do you have a quote or a piece of advice you'd like to, to share? You shared a couple from Tyson. Do you have anything else you'd like to share? Or like, we just grab one of those Tyson quotes. They, also, they fit the bill. Oh, but if you got man. another one, I'll take it. Yeah. Um, well, this, this is something that's top of mind now. Like For me, quotes, I, I, I'll latch on to a different one every week or month, it seems like. But the one I like this yeah. week or month is intensity is the strategy. So that applies to basically every business owner. It doesn't matter if you're running a home cleaning service or an insurance company or whatever. Intensity is the strategy. Um, nice. And a lot of times we overthink the strategy. 
we overthink the, the what, what, what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. You know, George Patton said, I would rather a half-ass plan vigorously executed than, <laughs> than a perfect plan like, you know, that we never execute. And so, and so intensity is the strategy and just remind yourself of that every yeah. day. Get after it. Don't wait around for that, that perfect idea. We, we try to counsel clients that we speak the same thing. Get 70, 80% decision made. Good. Get after that. Exactly. Figure it out. Let's go, let's go make acts of commission, uh, right? And, exactly. and go make our errors in, in, in committing to stuff rather than holding back and, and not doing anything. So uh, great share. Great share. Ryan, this is awesome. How can people find you? I think we got to make sure we leave that so people know where to go. Check out the app. What, where's, where's the best place to, to go to get, to get this app? Yeah, figure, life's too short to, to mow your yard. Yeah. Uh, pay, you know, yeah, might as well yeah. get a good service to do it on GreenPal. Just go to GreenPal.com. Anybody wants to hit me up, find me on Instagram, Brian M. Clayton. Just drop me a DM there. Awesome. Fantastic. Thank you for your time here on a late in the afternoon. I greatly appreciate it. Great stories, great success. Wish you nothing but the best. And thank you for joining us on the Grow Your Damn Business Podcast. Thanks, Scott. I had a fun. Great, great. The Grow Your Damn Business Podcast is hosted by Scott Goodrich, a professional EOS implementer. To learn more about EOS and how it might help grow your damn business, you can email Scott at scott.goodrich at eosworldwide.com or check out his website at www.eosworldwide.com forward slash Scott Goodrich. Thank you for listening to the Grow Your Damn Business Podcast. If you found this conversation valuable, subscribe to our YouTube channel and find us on your favorite podcast platform. We will see you next week on the Grow Your Damn Business Podcast.